Chapter 18 of The Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tia Wright. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The Driverless Coach. Now it was on Thursday night, while we were having singing practice in our clubhouse, that the strange thing happened. While the boys were singing, Perry Stokes had kept on putting wood into our little stove, and believe me, it got so hot that I couldn't stand it inside. When I went out onto the porch, I found that Shadow Loomis and Herb Acomb were already out there, sitting in the wicker swing that Doc Waters had bought for our porch. I sat down with them and we talked, mostly about the three horses that were tied to trees just a short way down the river path. Roy and Shadow and Robbie were going to ride back to Doble's after the meeting. Suddenly, Shadow sat straight up and said, Look there! What's that strange thing coming down the river path? From the main road came a dark, bulky shape, filling the whole width of the river path, squeaking a rusty tune to the beat of horses' hooves on the sandy path. A stagecoach, as I'm alive! exclaimed Herb Acom. And, to tell the truth, it looked like one. As it drew near, the moonlit fell upon it and showed an old ramshackle closed wooden carriage, like a big hack, drawn by three horses, one in front of two, driven by a queer-looking figure of a boy wearing a square cap and a long cape that hung from his shoulders. The horse in front was a fine-looking animal, with an arched neck, but two behind him were sorry-looking plugs. They came lumbering slowly down the uncertain path, all three of us rose from our seats as a strange sight drew near. The singing in the clubhouse drowned out the squeaking of the coach so that none of the boys inside knew what was going on out front. As soon as the old hack stopped, the driver swung from his seat. It was Pooley. I knew him in an instant. There was something about his walk, something about the way he threw back his shoulders and showed his handsome face. He advanced to the porch boldly, as though he didn't fear anything or anybody. Almost immediately the door of the carriage flew open, and another figure, dressed in the same costume, came running up behind Pooley. And I knew him, too. The moonlight fell across his face and showed me a bum eye, and I knew it was Sadler, one of the two who had come into our clubhouse through the hole in the floor the night I watched. We drew back into the dark shadows of the porch, but I knew that we had been seen, for the leader of the knights of the square table spoke. My name's Pooley, he said, as though he were proud of the name. I want a fella inside of that clubhouse, and the sooner I get him, the better it will be for you. If you can send him out quiet, there won't be any fuss, but if you want to bring them all out here, I can promise you there will be a fight. It doesn't make any difference to me, one way or the other. Herb Acom stepped forward to the steps, where the moonlight fell upon his face. I'll go, he said quietly. Let's don't have any fighting, Pooley. No use to get all those boys inside there mixed up in a fight between you and me. I'll go. Just wait a minute, broke in Shadow, whose anger is easily stirred. How do you get that way, fella? Who told you you can come around here? But Pooley cut him short. Keep out of it, you, he snapped sharply. What you got to do with this? You keep your hands off this scrap, and you stay where you are. You understand? Poor old Herb had walked to the old stagecoach. Look here, I began, for my temper gets ruffled too when I see things like this. This isn't fair and square, Pooley. He laughed at me scornfully. 
I'm going to make sure that this fight between Herb and me is fair and square, he said. It wouldn't be if we had to fight here, where all those dumbbells you got in that clubhouse have a chance to get in it. You sit tight, secretary, and just rest easy that it's all fair and square. As he turned away, I saw Shadow double up his fists and start after him, but I pulled him back and whispered, wait, when they get started, it will be time enough for us, Shadow. Herb had entered the old coach and Sadler had followed. I waited to see Pooley leap back onto the driver's seat, but no, no. He hopped into the coach and slammed the door shut and then leaned out of the window and shouted to the horses, take her home, lightning, old boy, fast as you can go. Like a flash, it came to me then that there was no driver on the seat. Pooley had driven the coach to the clubhouse, but now Pooley sat inside and there was no driver on the seat. Ah, then I remembered the night we had watched and seen on the edge of the hilltops the shadow of a driverless coach against the rising moon. Here it was, and Pooley and his pal were in it, and they had Herb Acom taking him somewhere to settle the long-standing fight between them. The door of the clubhouse opened and Perry Stokes came out. What is it, Hawkins? he asked. Keep quiet, I told him. Shadow and I are going to follow that old coach. Good Lord, exclaimed Perry, catching sight of the vehicle as it mounted the ridge of the main road. Come on, Shadow, I said. It's up to you and me. Here's our chance to find out where the knights of the square table have their hangout place. Shadow understood. He raced ahead of me to the place where the three double horses were tied. I saw him swing lightly into the saddle, but I'm so fat that it takes me a little longer, and I was having a hard time getting my foot into the stirrup, excited as I was, when I felt someone helping and looked down. Perry was beside me. No use trying to shake Perry. I put my heels into the sides of the horse, and the way he started nearly threw me backwards out of my saddle. But I laid down on his neck and held myself tight, and turning my head, I saw Perry coming behind me on the third horse. At the main road, I came up to Shadow, who had held his horse to a standstill. No use taking it so fast, he said. Those horses can't make the time with that old hack dragon behind them. They can't get away from us. Let's go easy. Down the main road a piece, we saw a lumbering coach. It was going as fast as it could, but our young horses could have passed it easily. Slowly, we trotted our horses, riding three abreast and talking in low voices as we rode. We could see now where they were leading us. It was to the old creek that wound its snaky way through the hills. We turned into a by-road, a new one to me, but I knew that it must lead only to the creek where we had camped during the summer. However, its ending brought a surprise. Instead of the bank of the creek, we found ourselves in the grounds of the old lonely house. Ah, so this is where Pooley had made himself a headquarters. Yes, what an excellent place. This old stone house with its round tower and iron balcony on one side, its wonderful grounds and stables. I give Pooley credit for picking it out. Nobody to bother him and his gang in their meetings here. Nope. Last summer while we were camping, we had discovered the old house. It had stood for nigh on to twenty years, Doc Waters had told us, vacant and uncared for. Only the grounds were in bad shape. The weeds had stood waist-high last summer. And now I remembered that we had seen this old family coach, too, standing outside in front of the stables, where the weather had torn from it every shred of covering. How vividly it all came back to my mind now as the three of us took our first look at the place where Pooley gathered his knights at the square table. 
we tied our horses in a spot hidden in the shadows of the trees, and hurried up as far as we dared to the house, where suddenly a light had appeared in a basement window. We could see the coach plainly and hear all that was going on. Pooley was the first to leap out. He ran to the leading horse and took something from his pocket, which he gave to the beautiful animal with the arched neck. Good boy, we heard him say to his horse. You never make a mistake, Lightning. Here, take another lump of sugar for good measure. You earned it. By this time, a crowd of boys, dressed in the costume of the gang, had come up out of the basement of the house. They crowded around the coach, but Pooley cried out, Bring him here, Sadler, till we get things ready. They went to the stables beyond, Pooley leading, Herb Acomb following him, the rest of the gang bringing up the rear. Herb was shoved inside the stable, the door was closed and fastened with a padlock, the gang turned, and all of them went back into the basement. Now, I said. Shadow and Perry understood. We hurried through the dry weeds that cracked underfoot. We reached the stable, and I rattled the lock. Here we are, Herb, I called out. No need to be quiet. That bunch of boys in the basement of the house was making enough noise. We'll get you some way, Herb. Don't worry. It was Perry who found the way. He had climbed up to the little round window in the upper section of the stable. There came a crash of glass and an ouch, sir, from Perry. Well, I called up. I cut my hand, sir, he called down to me. But I got the glass broken out and the window open, sir. I'm on my way in now, sir. Go to it, I called back to him. I was trying to get a foothold myself, but I had to admit that Perry was a wonder to get up that wall. Shadow finally succeeded in boosting me up and I saw that Perry had smashed the window and had most likely slipped his arm through the broken glass and unfastened the round sash. It was swung inward and I squeezed through. We were in a hayloft. Shadow was in back of me, but we weren't needed. Perry was already climbing back up the ladder and Herb was close behind him, so we all turned. Well, it's jump for us, said Shadow, and the next minute he leaped from the round window. I wish I hadn't been so quick in following, but anyway I landed on hands and knees in dried weeds, and stickers went deep into my flesh, and I felt like crying, but I didn't. In a few minutes more we were all running for the spot where we had tied the horses, and that little fool Perry refused absolutely to take his horse, but insisted that Herb Acomb ride, so we had to threaten him with the whipping, but he finally agreed to ride behind me on my horse, if I would let him which I did. We laughed as we rode back at the way we had succeeded in upsetting Pooley's little scheme. Of course, said Herb Acom. I would have had to fight with gloves. That is why they left me in the stable. They went back to draw lots to see which one was to fight me fair and square. I know Pooley, but I would have had to fight three of their boys before they let me go, and you know that's a swell chance to get a good licking. Some of their boys are tall boys, believe me. Don't I know, I said. I met one of them once, and it was only luck that helped me lick him. Listen, said Herb Acomb, as we came inside of the clubhouse. It's the same old song. The boys in the clubhouse had not even known that anything had happened. The singing practice was coming to an end, as we could tell by the sweet harmony of, Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. How peaceful it seemed around this old clubhouse, but how rough and exciting it really was. 
We got down from our horses and tied them to the tree where we had found them. Perry, said Herb, and he took Perry's hand and looked at it. There was blood upon the little fellow's sleeve at the wrist. I want to thank you, Perry. It doesn't hurt at all, sir, Perry said quickly. Really, I'm surprised how little it hurts, seeing as how it bled so much. Let me see, I said, and turned my flashlight upon his wrist. There were jagged cuts on poor old Perry's hand and wrist, but I saw it wasn't serious. You and I will stop by Doc Waters' office on our way home, Perry. Whatever you say, Hawkins. I sighed as we started up the steps to the clubhouse. Well, said Shadow Loomis, I'm glad this thing has happened. We had our chance to find out where Pooley and his knights at the square table have their headquarters. They've been fooling us all along with those outdoor meetings in different places in the woods. But now we know where their real headquarters is. Yes, I said as I put my hand upon the clubhouse doorknob. And believe me, Shadow, we will have to keep our eagle eye on that place, too. Which we did. End of chapter 18